Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. At this point, I invite you to uh, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. Um, our passage, our reading will begin on verse 28. You'll see it just snuck on to page 1,560. 75, uh, so 1,575, um, and I also invite you to open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, we'll be starting in verse 4 right afterwards. That's on page 284. Uh, we're going to be continuing in our series, Tech Wise. Uh, one of the reasons why we are doing this series now uh, is because it's, I think, an appropriate uh, conversation to have, this conversation around technology uh, in the midst of, of the pandemic that has forced a lot of us to use technology differently, whether it is um, through the way that we worship, uh, whether the way uh, we are being educated, or just the way that we connect uh, with a family and friends. Uh, a lot of us have depended on our technology differently in, in this time. Last week, we looked at uh, kind of more technical definitions. What, what is technology? What does it mean to live wisely in the midst of it? Uh, this week, we're going to look at kind of more what, what does technology do? Uh, what does it do to us? And more fundamentally, what, what does it mean then to be human? And how do we preserve that um, in the midst of some of the challenges that technology presents? Uh, before reading God's word, uh, let's just come before God in prayer. Lord, our God, now as we hear your word, fill us with your spirit, soften our hearts that we may delight in your presence, sharpen our minds that we may discern your truth, and shape our wills that we may desire your ways, through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. From Mark 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given a good answer, he asked, but of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts, 
Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. To start, I just want to look back at one of the images that we just read there in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Specifically, what does it mean to tie these words as as symbols on your hands, or it can also be translated around your wrists? What, What is he talking about there? One of the things that... Uh, most people turn back to in the midst of that is the command that comes beforehand, that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength, that, that we bring everything, and that this involves the working of our hands. So it, it might involve the literal tying it to the hands, and that was done um, in certain Jewish communities, um, but it says to tie them as symbols, that they were to represent something, that, that the people were to go out and to say with all their strength, so when they went out to plow the fields, when they went to pick the olives, when they went to knead the bread, the things that they actually did with their hands were a way of living out into the love of God. So, so we can take that sort of principle already into our own lives, our own understanding, like the things that we do with our, our strength, whether it's, it's driving the car or folding the laundry or swinging a hammer, uh, what we do is part of this command of loving God with all that we are. Uh, it is all to be um, gathered up in praise of God. Now, one thing that technology is praised for uh, is making things easy for us. Uh, it removes difficulty. So it's kind of this contrast of bringing everything you have into something and to have something become just easy for you or, or removing a task. So take GPS for an example. Um, I am I'm just old enough to have experienced this um, where when I wanted to drive somewhere unfamiliar, I had to like open up a map and find that place, uh, like the streets, and like figure out where to go. And I didn't always have that map with me when I went there, so if I took a wrong turn, I was helpless. I had to kind of find my way there. Now, with GPS, it's a lot easier. I don't have to engage my mind and think exactly where I am. It will just tell me the, the right roads to take. If I miss a turn, it will reroute me. And there's something positive in that. It, it makes it easier. But I've noticed in going to a new place, I I can go there and then come back using GPS, and I'll have no idea how to get there again. Uh, It it, it removes something of my experience with the world around me. It hinders me in actually navigating the world well. Now, we are used to this assumption in our culture. Uh, To make something easier is to make it better. Um, we often get intrigued by, by what is possible. Can, can we have this tool or this device remove something that we have to do? But we often don't stop to ask, is that actually good for us? Is automation, um, getting machines or, or technology to do something for us, 
is that moving us towards flourishing? Is it, is it leading towards this type of engagement of the heart, soul, mind, and strength? This, uh, there, there's a, a study uh, that was given uh, back in the 80s that kind of questions our ability to discern um, what, what actually leads to flourishing. Uh, so this is back in the 80s. They used pagers to communicate with people, um, and they set those pagers to go off at seven random times throughout the, the day. And, and as it went off, whether they were working, whether it was a time of leisure, they had to just take all sorts of statistics. Uh, they had to say what challenges they had, the skills they were using, the motivation. Uh, but they were also including the, the level of satisfaction they just felt in, in that moment in what they were doing, um, whether it was something creative or not. And what the report found out was that the more engaged people were with their activity, the more satisfied they were. And this was often they were more satisfied in their work more than their leisure. That, that in that moment of reporting, they gauged their satisfaction consistently higher in their places of work, kind of regardless of whether it was more tedious work or uh, more, more leisure or life-giving work. They all kind of scored in that higher space. Yet if you ask those same people what they would rather be doing, would they rather be working or have time of leisure, they would always respond leisure, uh, despite the fact that this was a space where they were finding fulfillment and satisfaction in their life. One of the main takeaways of that report was that as humans, we're not always that good at determining what is actually good for us. Uh, we are happiest when we are absorbed with a task with clear goals and challenges, uh, but we're, we're pushed towards something. Yet, when we're given space of leisure, when, when we're just given time, we, we don't necessarily engage with those types of activities that, that demand all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. Instead, we often uh, will watch TV, go to the mall, go onto Facebook, um, often do things to, to tr prevent us from being bored. We're often too unaware of the fact that technology pushes us towards a life that might be unfulfilling. Um, the, the, the disengagement um, of the example with, with GPS actually comes at a cost. It comes at the cost of I no longer am able, no longer able to navigate the world in the same way that I could before. This kind of leaves us with a question then of, we need to be able to determine um, what it means to be human um, in order to see if, whether or not having these um, automated things, or whether or not they're actually good for us. And a great definition of what it means to be human comes from Mark chapter 12 here. Um, a, a person just comes up to Jesus. This guy comes up to him, and, and he says, what is the most important commandment? Like, there, there's 613 commandments just throughout the, the Old Testament, the books of Moses. Like, what, what's the one? What, what's the most important thing? What sums up our calling and what we're made for? What, what it means to be human. There's, there's just too many out there. I want to know the one that will lead me towards flourishing and what I am supposed to be. 
And, and one of the most remarkable things when you look at this is that Jesus answers it. Uh, that Jesus doesn't like, deflect the question. He doesn't say, well, it's not about what the most important commandment is. It's, it's about what your deepest longing is. Or he, he doesn't just go off to a, a parable about how commandments relate to the kingdom. Jesus answers it and responds with a commandment that directs us in our loves. And we've remembered Jesus' answer ever since. Like, uh, his answer quotes these two famous passages, the one that we already kind of explored a little more in depth, this Deuteronomy chapter 6, as well as the Leviticus 18. And today, I just want to focus a little bit more on that Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 passage, because this, this is a passage that everyone would have known back in Jesus' time. There, there are certain traditions that would have been saying it five times a day. So like think of a practice five times a day, how much that is ingrained within you. You don't have to think about it. It just comes natural. Uh, that's the level of familiarity. And, and what it's calling people towards is love of God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And each time, it doesn't just say heart, soul, mind, and strength, but it says all your heart all your soul, and all your strength. Now, you might notice in just flipping between these two um, that there's a different list that's given. Uh, if you are kind of paying attention, there's the, the, the Deuteronomy passage just says heart, soul, and strength. It just gives three things. Um, yet in Mark 12, Jesus says um, with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He just pushes in an extra word there. Um, and that's not because like, Jesus forgot. Uh, he wasn't just like, oh, I think there's an extra word in there. Uh, this is an intentional understanding of this passage. He's taking the full framework of, of the, the Hebrew mindset and translating it into, um, in his Greek context, uh, but also the context of the teachers that were there, that, that the engagement with the mind is an important thing that we are to um, that, that leads us towards our satisfaction and, and fulfillment, what it means to be humans that are in right relationship with God. So to look at all four of those things, there is the heart. Um, in the ancient mindset, the heart is, is more than just like our feelings, uh, more than just being having a desire towards something. Uh, but heart is also uh, the, the ability to kind of act on that. It has to do with your will, uh, it's this command is to be fully alive, is not just to partially love, but to love with all of our heart. Uh, our flourishing isn't about partial allegiance, but to be fully given to something. That's part of what is life-giving for us. Uh, for the soul, uh, this talks to what is at the core of our being. Uh, th this isn't coming from a dualist culture where we have body and soul as separate things, but the soul represents what is most fundamental to our identity. Uh, the mind is expressing that we love God with our intellect, our cognitive capacities. Part thinking about things is part of what it means to be human, and, and not to be misunderstood here, this isn't saying that everyone needs to go and, and be doctors and like, uh, have to study things deeply and be theologians. The engagement with your mind can simply be thinking through your daily practices and what you do. Uh, are they consistent with the Christian calling? 
Are we thinking about what it means to be people who follow God? And strength. Now, we can think of this as, as physical strength, but also just what we do with our bodies. That, that idea of um, we tie these things to our hands, um, that, that the plowing of the fields, or the kneading of the dough, that this is actually a way in which we express our love towards God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. One reflection from this passage is that we're most fully alive when we love with our whole selves, that we are actually made for this type of love. We're, we're, we're hardwired for it, to put some uh, technological language in there. You could say that we're most satisfied when we're living rightly, when we're living into this most important commandment, when we're being the type of people who love deeply with all of ourselves, all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And this, this is what the tech-wise person needs to be aware of. Not all of our technology brings us into all our heart, soul, mind, strength, engagement to the world. In fact, it, it kind of tilts us the other way. It pushes us towards ease, requiring less of us. Um, hopefully, most of you got the uh, discussion questions again. Uh, for those that are online, we have uh, discussion questions that are, are sent out to you, but they're also available on our website. And I just want to direct you towards a quote that's found on it. The quote is, nothing easy forms us. So everything that forms us in some respect is hard. Uh, that, that, that we need these challenging things to actually bring formation in us. So maybe another thing we have to say to one another by way of encouragement as we engage with being tech-wise is recognizing that this is going to be hard for all of us, for, for adults and children, for parents, grandparents, kids, everyone. It's going to be hard, but when we engage with things that are hard, it is also going to be good. If we want to be the type of people who love with our whole selves, uh, to be people who listen to Jesus' teachings here, we need to be willing to be formed and doing the things that invite challenge. Uh, so, so to kind of take that more abstract concept again and to put it in something more practical, we can think of um, the ease and challenge um, that comes with travel. So when, when I was in Egypt, I got to do, uh, partake in some more ancient forms of travel. Uh, back in the day, before the car, if you didn't have to walk somewhere, you could take a camel. And camels take full engagement, at least when you start. Like, I don't know if you've ridden one of these things, but like, you have to be thinking of your balance. Like, time goes fast, because you don't have time to think of anything else. You're just like, how do I steer this thing? I'm much higher than normal. And it's really... Uh, just survival. Um, if you don't believe that uh, trying to ride a camel is hard, just YouTube a video of people dismounting them. It is the most awkward, like the camels just kind of lurch forward and uh, it's, uh, it's a precious thing. Um, but compared to that, that, that full body like, and mind engagement that you have when you're riding on um, an animal, driving a car is much more simple. Uh, and if you don't have distractions in your car, if you don't have radio or, or something else, uh, you can get bored uh, a lot faster. 
And, and our vision of what technology can do for us in making things easier for us, uh, there, there's this pinnacle of uh, it can just, we have driverless cars that are fully automated. And I've read some reviews of people that have been in those types of vehicles and their experience. Like, there's at first this awe of our technology and being like, oh, this is the, the best thing ever. Uh, and then after they've been in it for a while, they're just like, and I'm completely bored. Like, I, 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 this is nice that it's driving for me, but I'm not engaged at all with this. Uh, I need to, to distract myself with something. And that sort of reflection shouldn't surprise us. If we ask what sort of heart, soul, mind, strength, engagement comes from an activity, uh, we can see that what used to involve our whole self is now complete disengagement and a place that we need distraction with devices. Um, it's much easier to distract ourselves than contend with, with how boring we make some of our spaces, our homes, our, our vehicles, our, our world. It's often been said that uh, our, our addiction to our devices isn't necessarily about how uh, fascinating and how amazing they are. Um, it's actually uh, pointing towards um, how boring we've made our world. Um, in some cases, we've made it so easy um, in the world around us that, that there's nothing meaningful in engagement anymore. And I think it's worth uh, saying that this, this isn't just about smartphones, uh, that this conversation would be relevant um, without those types of devices. This is a, a conversation and part of our society's understanding that we've been on for the last 200 years. Um, well, a particular speed up in the last 200 years, and maybe there's some more rapid advancements in the last 20 or 30 years. But everyone here, everyone under 200, um, has been formed by these assumptions around making things easy. What sorts of things can we bring into our homes that help us to disengage from those activities that we can replace them with, with leisure, with something else? And often we haven't considered the loss that comes alongside that. Now, to connect that back to GPS, um, when when I turn to technology for that, there is a cost. There, there, there's a loss that comes out. I'm not engaging my heart, soul, mind in, in that whole experience. But I, I don't. I still use it. Like I'm. I, it's not such a big loss where I think, well, then it's the wrong thing to do. Uh, but there are other spaces in our lives where I think the cost is a lot higher. Uh, take, or at least we need to be more careful. Uh, Social media platforms, for example, um, we might want to be asking of ourselves in our engagement of, of what do they require in terms of heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, a face-to-face -face interaction with someone involves us, like we need to be present, we, we, we communicate with our body language, or our strength is engaged, we're engaging with our minds, we have to uh, like immediately respond to the person, where at least I hope that's how most of our relationships work, you might have a unique one where you can just kind of sit and type something for a while. Uh, but our engagement online doesn't require that of us. We can be completely occupied with something else and, and simply just be scrolling as well throughout the day. 
If we want to be shaped and formed as people of love, um, it, it means that we need to engage with formative experiences. Um, so how have I been influenced by this? If I, if I still use the GPS, like what, <laughs> what's the point? Uh, one of the things that I have done recently is resolved to learn a new instrument. So a few weeks ago, Elisa and I went out and bought a used piano, and I have been learning, and after several hours of practice, let me tell you, uh, progress is slow. Um, I am not uh, necessarily a natural, uh, and it requires effort. I need to learn the chords. I'm trying to figure out how to move this finger in particularly. It just doesn't want to do the things I tell it to. And I need to learn the notes. Um, for the most part, some of this stuff is, is tedium. It, it's challenge. It, it's hard. But I, I don't mind doing it. I don't mind the fact that progress is slow because I think that, that there is something good about engaging yourself that way. Uh, there's something life-giving in learning something new. If we were to able, to, if I was just able to go to the piano and play like Bach or Mozart or, or Chopin, like it it wouldn't have that same appeal for us. If you want uh, an ex or I, I think there's actually like a really great um, reflection that can be made on the difference between pressing play on your device and actually playing something. It's kind of like ironic thing that we use the same word for that, but pressing play, you can just press play and just do whatever you want. It involves no engagement and it, it's going to be a lot nicer than me playing something. Uh, it's, it's going to be professional. Uh, but it doesn't mean that it will be more satisfying than engaging oneself fully in playing. Uh, if you want a deeper reflection on that, um, again, our, our discussion questions, there's a link to a video in there. Uh, and uh, Andy Crouch explores that relationship in a way that I think is, is really helpful. There's something countercultural in embracing activities that require effort, time, and attention, um, because for the most part, our culture has bought into the assumption that things that are easier for us are simply good, uh, that the more automated we can have, the better. Um, and our question that we can ask is, how can we heed to Jesus's acknowledgement of the greatest commandment to form ourselves in love with our full selves, body, heart, soul, and strength in the midst of the pressures towards what's easy. Now, I, I want to finish, though, with a note about grace. Because uh, when, we, when we center in on something that's just a, a commandment, uh, we, we might forget this other element. Um, we might think that it's, it's about following these particular rules. Um, maybe forgetting that, that our, our practices here is centered around the grace that we have already experienced from God. As Christians, we believe that we are first loved by God, and our love, that, that love and engagement with the, the world, with our full selves, is in response to that. Uh, at the base of Jesus' command to love God is the assumption that we have already encountered that grace. So we, we hear this call as people who have been freed from our sins and invited into the life that is truly life. And the first step isn't necessarily to go to our, our devices and the very things that we do and kind of give it the, 
the rating on the scale of uh, how much does this um, engage my mind or my, my soul or, or my strength. Our first step is actually to look at wh what are we turning towards for this fulfillment and this fullness of love. Are, are we turning first to God? We, we are not just obeying laws with empty hearts, uh, trying to fill our, our emptiness by doing the right things. We obey God with a full heart in delighting Him, in delighting in Him and the salvation He has already offered. We are called to love with our whole selves, and we remember that when love came into the world, He ended up on a cross, giving the ultimate example of someone who loved with His whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and neighbor as Himself. Because of Jesus' death, we are forgiven and loved and accepted uh, more than we, more completely than we know. And, and if that's just, if that's the only uh, thing that you, you get from this morning, um, I, I think that's the, the most important thing that, that we can be turning ourselves towards. Our call, in summary, is not simply accepting what's easy in technology, but boldly stepping out as loved people and responding with heart, soul, mind, and strength. To bind these commandments to our hands, the, the things that we actually do. To enter out into challenging terrain that, that demands that we grow as we love one another. And this means considering how we spend our days. Uh, do we look for distractions that, that try um, relieve us from our boredom? Or are we engaging with the world around us? Are we living in a way that reflects the life that is truly life. Remember that line from 1 Timothy 6.19. Am I steeping myself in the story of grace in a way that enables me to resist what is easy and shape myself into being a person of love? As we reflect on those things, let's turn to God in prayer. Lord of salvation, we come before you recognizing first and foremost that we need you. That any following of your commands comes from the encounter of your grace. Fill our hearts that we may respond in the world by embracing the things that form us into people of love that you have made us to be. May we take the challenges that drive us into the full love that you have called us towards leading to our growth in who we are, body, soul, mind, and strength. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.